0: We all got dreams, we all want things. But what you gonna do for it? How you gonna move for it? What you gonna be? And do you believe you can do anything? But what you gonna do for it? How you gonna move for it? What you gonna be? We pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land, the Wondry people of the Kulin Nation. Thank you for your Mother Earth, the place where we learn, play and grow. We promise to do our very best to protect our Mother Earth. We understand if we look after the country, then the country will look after us. Woo! Very grateful for your come and uh, get the opportunity to show around our facility. And uh, yeah, basically thanks for coming. Mate,
1: it's absolutely my pleasure. I don't think I was there right at the beginning of your journey, but pretty close to it. And it's been a privilege and a pleasure to see how much you've uh, achieved and grown. Uh, and I saw this facility, I think, just before you you were um, bringing in the equipment. And now to come back uh, just a, a few months later and see it in operation with all your team uh, doing so much. It's, it's amazing. Oh,
0: yeah. I appreciate that. And it, uh, without getting too soppy, like... Obviously, without your help, without your support and help and guidance and all the rest of it, we wouldn't be where we are, so you've got a big part to play in that, so thank you very much.
1: Oh, well, thanks, Robbie, but it did it completely out of self-interest. I've been looking for a great <laughs> terrain
0: for a very long time, and we found it in, in you. And, Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Well, listen, let's get this going. Um, well, I'd, I'd like to start off with, what is your very first food memory?
1: Oh, um, very first food memory. I... I think, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a funny one, but it's absolutely imprinted in my mind. So my father was a, and is a very, very good cook. And we all we had and he loved cooking Cantonese food. And I remember I have this sick memory when I was very young of going to the fridge and seeing this jar of things which I thought were, were currants, dried currants. So I tipped a whole bunch out and threw them in my mouth and uh, was like, what the hell is that? And they turned out to be salted black beans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so probably not the I most positive not, experience. Not the most positive experience.
1: <laughs> but but uh, si- since then, my my life's been filled. Well, really, my my job is finding food moments. That's that's what it is. So mm. I have so many of them, and it's like really, I can mark my life and you know time with friends and family, uh, and and significant moments in my business as well with. Food moments. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so
0: you, just quickly, you said that your dad was a. Is he a chef? Is it?
1: Uh, so he, he had, dad's done a lot of things, but uh, he uh, he's firstly trained as a geologist and then he went on to train as a, an economist and then uh, and then he went to do his chefing course and he trained uh, uh, he he went through I think TAFE in Canberra where he was at the time and then went on to uh, to open a couple of restaurants a, like a fine dining French restaurant in Brisbane in the early eighties. And then a, uh, a really good uh, uh, seafood restaurant in uh, also in Brisbane. Wow! Uh, yeah, all all the whilst being continuing a day job as an economist oh. and then coming home at night and uh, cooking. So Bloody hell! Grew up in restaurants. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's that's awesome. That's that's a that, that, we know how hard it is working in restaurants. so Never mind, it's like a side hustle that must yeah. have been. Well, they figured that out eventually. <laughs> and uh, yeah. fair enough. So. Obviously, you the owner of Fine Foods. Yep. What's your elevator pitch of phenol Fine Foods? <sighs> ah, uh, um, taste comes first. That's it.
1: So we're a taste-first uh, company. Um, we work in uh, specialty food, which we could define, uh, like, broadly as fermented, cured uh, p- uh, produce. Um, by and large, it's, it's produced by... Um, you know, it's produced in traditional methods by family owned companies. Uh, and we, w- I'd say another thing is we're not concerned about, uh, we don't get distracted by exclusivity. In fact, we think in many ways exclusivity is like the enemy of our project, of, of uh, the message of good food and what good food could do. Uh, so we're, we're, the other thing we often say at work as well is uh, we're elevating the everyday. Like, that's what we look for. If we can look for a basic, simple product that's by its nature, is cheap and and find a better quality version of it uh, that is, like, amazingly better, doesn't cost a lot of money, that's a win for us. Yeah.
0: So just give us a quick example of something like that. that you look,
1: would... uh, ricotta. Yeah. You know, so we work with vanilla cheese. Uh, they make a beautiful cow's milk ricotta and also a, a wonderful buffalo milk ricotta. So I talk about the buffalo milk ricotta. It's like, I don't know. It's about I'm terrible with numbers, but about ten bucks a kilo, yeah. you know, wholesale, and uh, it is a stunning product, yeah. absolutely stunning. So the cheapest ricotta you could find on the market's maybe you know for a cow's milk ricotta about six bucks a kilo. So it's we're talking it's only for a handful of dollars more for a whole kilo yeah. of the best stuff that you can buy. Period. Yeah. Um, and
0: that's what you do you try and find love them.
1: that stuff yeah because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we can really have an impact we can yeah. this is a, you know we're about democratising this, this thing so we don't want these to be exclusive experiences we you know like I, I know it would be the same for you but for us in food like it's, it's a message that we want to share um, yeah we can't do that if it's like super exclusive caviar or something like that which we also sell and de- delicious yeah but, there's know, a market
0: as well yeah. for sure so going right the way back to your career what did you start off on? I think. Well, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that you didn't always in food. You were in other things. Did you train as other or something else? Uh, like, am I right in saying that?
1: The, well, yeah. I, I was at um, again. Probably a lot of people get into hospitality this way. But I was at university uh, doing law and economics, and uh, like working, your dads
0: like, economics? Yeah, like yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, you know, I enjoyed that. I was, I was, I was terrible at it though. And <laughs> as as the years went by, and I was looking at the prospects of a, of, a, of a job, I was thinking. You know, I'm I'm not gonna like the world doesn't need a lawyer like me
0: of this quality.
1: But during during uh, during university, like a lot of people, I was working in restaurants, and I just got absolutely hooked uh, with it. Um, uh, so I worked as a as a as a kitchen hand, and I loved the rush of it. And I just I, I loved food, and it just. Um, uh it was exciting and I got to try things and I got my hobby was cooking and enjoying food so it was a way to like get paid earn an income and 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 do this so uh I guess my you know I got and I got into Fino by sort of being very interested in where the products come from the history something about the environment the culture of it the you know also the like sort of the chemistry and the weird stuff that goes on with with fermentation and um and just got from there And it started, you know, um, sourcing some things for the, the restaurants I worked with. And, um, and then grew little by little. And uh, how old are you that, at this point? Maybe? Well, I would have been, you know, 20, 24, 25. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: And what did the business look like right at the start? Not when you were um, part-time. Like, was there a jump? Were you, like, you're working for the restaurant, washing dishes, waiting tables, whatever it was, and then they said, oh, can you go and find me? And, like, how, how did it... How so did I had,
1: right right early on, I had a mate who was who, who I was cooking with, yeah. um, and this, I'd, I'd quit law by this stage and, yeah. you know, had the difficult conversation with my parents, <laughs> uh, you know, disappointed them that... <laughs> I was going to go to hospitality full time, which they thought was effing mental. Yeah, um, but um, so j- jumped into that. And I was working with a really good friend of mine, and he had also uh, dropped out of law and uh, and was cooking. And he was he was a um, first generation um, Chinese Australian. Yeah, uh, and we just like absolutely hit it off around uh, learning about Chinese food and um, uh, and and also lots of other food as well. But it struck us that. Um, the Chinese importers had lots and lots of product, but um, uh, they, like for example, for Ch- uh, Chinese soy sauce, they had twelve different varieties, and there was no way to tell which one was good for what. So we started to do that sort of research. So we'd go to the the Chinese importers and and come up with a selection, and learn about them, and distill that down, and then do the and then come up with um, you know provide that advice to restaurants. Um, and, and on how to like use the chain. On how to use it. And it's like this one's used for this for this reason. This one's used for this reason. And we've already done the selection. Like we tr- we tried to get the best out of out of the range. Yeah, nice. Um, uh, so it started like that. Just a little bit. A little bit. Essentially. And was just he your business garage.
0: partner? Did you have a business?
1: Was he? Uh, we, we started that little business together, which we called Eastern Revolution yeah. uh, at the time. And then um, uh, Ron went on to do other things. And he's still um, friends. Uh, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, that's nice. yeah, yeah, we are. Um, and. Uh, with uh, and then I evolved into taking on some more European things such I loved cheese and things like that so it just grew very very slowly and this was in
0: your garage did <clears throat> I hear you say the garage
1: essentially in my garage yeah and just
0: out the back of a truck or out the- did you get rid of doing that the garage
1: had, 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 a, had a, uh, a van and I had an esky in it and that's, that's, that's how I did it to start with and how um, long
0: did that go for when it was like
1: uh Look, I reckon, probably, I reckon I did that for about a year, then I bought my first little refrigerated van, um, and a couple, a shout out to some good Melbourne suppliers who really started out in business with um, uh, Mount Zero Olives. Oh yeah. Yeah, so Rich and I uh, were the same age and we've really grown up doing business together, so um, Rich and I have been, um, from Mount Zero, have been working together for, I don't know, however long I've been doing this, this gig for. <laughs> long, actually, enough. <laughs> long enough.
0: Long enough. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. You've got some... When we worked at Rockpool, Neil had them relationships where they were both at the same time, getting yep. into it. Do you have a little bit more of a soft spot? Not more of a spot, but do you have a soft spot for them people trying to hustle? I feel like, the reason I'm asking is, I felt like you were always on our side and when we were... We started off very small. I think when mm. we met, we'd just gone into the shop and we'd just gone out of that, like, out the garage, shared kitchen. We'd just got our own premises... But again, we were very small. I think there was like, I think it was like three staff when you come on off. Mm. Maybe we had four staff when you come on yeah. board, and two of them were part time or something. But do you have a bit of a soft spot for them?
1: Hundred yeah. percent. Like, there's so many people that have um, that have helped me in my journey and and um, you know provided advice and support and engaged with me, um, and um, you know you'd like to think you'd give that back as well. It's also like, you know, <clears throat> I think you, you know, in business you can talk about these. Um, You know, kind of aspirational goals you have, um, but a business is running well when you're doing the good when it makes business sense to do the good things. So, when I'm looking for someone new who's evolving as well, like I'm looking for someone who I can gauge with who's going to come up with a new idea or a new product or do a better terrain or, you know, produce a better better oil as well. So, it's a nice thing that you're able to help people in business, but really you're helping people and you're looking for people who have got that spark. That knowledge, that drive, uh, committed to quality, uh, do you think reliable. you can? Do you think you
0: can you can spot that? Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't. You can't be a hundred percent with it at all, but I do think like part of the value of your business is those people that you've got around you. Yeah. And for for me, it's like it, it's absolutely my suppliers, but it's also like my customers that have formed relationships with over time that i have sort of proven. But it's also the person that comes in. Services your cars like you've had to go through all the ones, like try and get the great guy to service your car and go, oh, you know, he's let me down there, and then find another one. And then when you've got the good guy, it's like, stick with that's him, right? a huge bit of
0: value. Those people, that yeah, you get yeah, around you, and that's like um, plumbers, electricians, it's everything, right? Everything. everything, yeah, 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 yeah 100%. Everything. Yeah, we found a lot of that with, with, with when we've been building this, to be fair. You just latch onto people mm. who. For, for, for builders and things, it's like the people tidy them tidy up after themselves. The people who are who, who are easy to talk mm. to, who aren't you know what I mean? Just them little things, right? The
1: the, the people that help that make life easier, easier. that help you That's accomplish it. more, That's and exactly it should, it. like obviously that has to be mutually beneficial uh, uh, arrangement. And uh, it should be like what we're doing um, should be fun and enjoyable, uh, you know, forever and engaged. And if, if you're doing business with people and it's not fun and enjoyable, like <clears throat> Maybe if it's different if you're like, you know, like building skyscrapers or something when there's enough money to matter, but for me,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: you know, I only want to do business with people I enjoy working yeah.
0: with. It's and like you say, just to really drill down on that point more than people that you have around you, the easier it is to move forward. That is an absolute mm. fact, and that and it, like the staff and. And all them little, like you say, the car getting to get the van service, and your refrigeration guy, and your chicken supplier, and all these people. If you can get them good relationship with everyone, and you pay on time, and all them things, and it just hums nicely, then you then you're laughing, right? It's when people don't turn up, and the delivery doesn't rock up, and you can't catch get the guy on the phone, and. Mm your days turn into a nightmare when you're chasing your tail like mm. that. It's a total it's all disaster. <laughs> so for, that's where you started many years ago, 20, 30, 20? 20 years ago. 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years ago. So where, where are you sitting at today? How, how does the business look uh, today from there? Look,
1: I, we, we are still very much a small, a, well, we're probably at that inflection point where we're, we've left kind of like small business territory and moving into medium business uh, territory. But still, you know, we still... We we are a small business in terms of the way we we talk about it. We've got a f- sort of very um, uh, a very tight team um, uh, that work. Although we're starting, you know, we're, we're we're starting to put in place, you know, structures, groups of people who do, you know, certain activities in the business. And um, but um,
0: how was that? How was that? Like, you know, you were the guy that was probably employing everyone at the beginning like you know you knew when yeah. you were doing all the interviews the vet you know were you being because it was only you so the, yeah. the next person you know and how is it now how is it now the business may you might not be making the making the recruitment decisions because you have put someone in place to make them decisions how, yeah. how's that how's it like different? well i think
1: um and I'd like i'm absolutely no expert on this and i'm learning all the time uh, and i can see people who do these things much better than we do but like what we've tried to do is have systemise where we can uh, which is like there's many many things that we can systemize, and that's that's not a once a set and forget thing so we try and we're trying to evolve set those. and forget yeah,
0: that's nice so what you're saying is you put a system in place when you say set and forget you put a system in place once and then you don't follow it is that what you're you said you just keep you have, good, to, drip, keep, you have to make sure doubt. it's being followed you have to Every, make sure it's yeah. being
1: improved you have to make sure it's relevant um, and so there's a
0: lot of that yeah. once and forgot, right? There's heaps yeah. that can easily happen, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're trying to put in place, make, I guess, codify what we learn. Uh, so if we make a mistake, we're we're going to try and find out. We we trying to have a culture of finding out why, making sure that's right. So if we make a bad hire. Or a hire goes badly or we slip up and you know don't call the candidates that had applied and let them know they, they haven't been successful which is something we absolutely want to do you know we want to make sure okay, how did we miss that and put in place some steps and procedures make sure we're following steps and procedures uh, make sure we're improving those all the time but um, that's got to be um, there's got to be a, a bed of culture really really strong culture uh, in the business to make sure that those things that aren't in there People have got a, like a, a reference guide, like a personal reference guide to go back to and think, is this the intent of this yeah. system or procedure? Is that what we want to achieve?
0: Do you, is our um, HR person? Do you have a HR person?
1: <coughs> we, we've outsourced um, uh, the technical HR advice and we've, um, we've written manuals and policies around that, of course, for our, for our business. And we've, also, we've got someone internally who is doing lots of jobs but also making sure they're going ahead. Um, and then we use that HR, external HR person to come in and verify it in the same way we do, we've got an external person that
0: comes in and verifies our HACCP plan and things yeah. like that. It's very common in mm. small to medium mm. businesses to have external experts to come in, right? Mm. It's a good way of doing it. We did it for marketing for a while. We do it for strategy a little bit. it's, mm. uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, And we've just got an intern for HR as well, who it's fell out of our lap, but Moving forward, I think we might look at doing that also yeah. to get because you can't have a. We're not big enough to have a full HR team, and you know? like it's just an no. expense that we can't. Where if we could have it monthly, quarterly, refreshing, make yeah. sure it all Do you know what I mean? Is that how is yeah. that how you use it? That oh,
1: absolutely! Of, and that, they're one of the conversations, like you know, when you and I catch up, yeah. Whereas co- comparing notes about this, like we talked about your, how you're shooting this amazing video content and things like that, and yeah. you know, there's there's things that I can learn from that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, like I'm always, you know, you know you've know, you got that group of people you catch up, that you're friendly with, that you compare yeah. notes. Uh, Ask questions them. and how, you are, know, you how are you doing it? So those external this? advisors are the people that I'm you know, often involved. Like, who do you use? Are they good? Are they, yeah. you
0: know, um,
1: who would you recommend? And you need it's that a nice mic. thing to be able to hand on to other people as well and say, oh, I've got the person for you. She's
0: awesome. Here's the number. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what, what's that called? So It's like social status, that. Do you know, do you know yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like classic of like... If you find a TV show, you enjoy telling someone else to watch a TV show. Then when they come back to you and say, Oh, that TV show you told me was awesome. Yep. It's like social status. Just being able to give do you know what I mean? And it's just a psychological thing. We're all like it. We all en- we yeah. all enjoy yeah. that. So has the strategy of the business changed from the beginning to now, or is it still roundabout <clears> is it still? No, the same?
1: I think it's I think it's the same. What we've done is refined it and really and are and continuingly continuing to learn how to um, identify um, the strategy in, in real life like so for us it's often it's the, uh, a simple example of a, of a kind of like applying that strategy of being you know, taste forward always is when you're presented with a product that like geez the packaging's really pretty good I know there's a market for it and phew, the price is like really good and I absolutely know it'll sell but you know what it's, you know just not that good you know yeah. like and, and and it's having that strategy you rely back on makes you just go you know someone's going to go and make a lot of money out of this and sell heaps of them but it doesn't it's fit. not us it's not us yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah
0: it doesn't fit in what you're trying to that's right trying yeah. To say. yeah
1: so i think if we make those decisions those decisions o- uh, over time that'll that'll mean the portfolio is you know strengthened and people know what we mean uh, they'll they'll
0: trust when a product is in the catalogue. So I guess um, just to go, just to not simplify, but I'm ju- just mm. to, that's almost like you're building a brand, right? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you you carry brands, but you're, the brand that you're building is for quality and it has to sit in within what you're trying to distribute, right? Like, yeah,
1: I'd, I'd it, like our customers to know that Well, whilst the product may not be for them and that's absolutely like their rightful place to make a decision about what works for their business and we don't know... Everything, But I'd like our customers to know that when someone from Fino calls and says, hey, um, I'd like to come and show you this product, I think it might be worthwhile to you, that they, through previous experience, know this is definitely worth a quick conversation and it's definitely worth a taste. And I'll know that it's been carefully sourced. Um, they've gone and visited uh, the, the factory. They understand where it's from. It has certain you know, values intrinsic in the product. And, um, you know, I, I, should have tr- I should have a try and a quick, and a quick listen. And mm. you might go, okay, no, it's not for me. It's not for this menu. It won't work in my shop. Um, and that's cool. But if we can repeat that over
0: time, people will give us the time of day to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and then alternatively, on the flip side of that, if you do do that and you get, and you get it wrong, for instance... Mm and you put products in that you feel like will sell or will mm. do well or fit well with them, and they don't, because ultimately they cop it, unless you do sale and return and different mm. things like that, but generally, let's just say they cop it, they, that can also take away from your reputation also.
1: <clears throat> it can, it can, absolutely, and, it, and, and we really must minimise that. I think we have, though, uh, I, I try and allow myself a percentage of, like, captain's calls would be one way to do it, or just passion projects where we just go... I know there's no market for this, but <laughs> I'm going to make a market for it because people need to have this in their life. And, yeah. uh, and you know, some of those, like, b- passion battles where we're just going, like, why don't people get this product? Uh, we win over time. Do you? Um, yeah. Well, I, I can think of a few. We were talking in the car. I like, another vanilla product. Um, vanilla, I think, um, uh, was the first people in Australia to make Burrata. And yeah. I'm pretty sure we were the first people in Australia to to sell burrata. And oh, when yeah. we start, when vanilla started making it, we started selling it. We'd get two buckets in at the beginning of the week and uh, we'd probably eat one bucket and throw <laughs> one bucket in the bin. And we did that for so long. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's burrata, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This, this is going to catch on eventually. Yeah, it has to, right? <laughs> and, and But now it's everywhere, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And good quality Australian olive oil. Like when we started this business, like it was like, well, why would you have Australian olive oil when you can have Italian? Um, and it was like, because it's, you know, it's fresh and it's amazing and it's a great price and like, why wouldn't you have something that supports your culture? Yeah. Uh, um, so we have won a few of those and you know, there's been heaps of
0: battles we've 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 lost as well. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I, think, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. Everyone else is right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you yeah, exactly. You what to say, you know, if you're going to if you're going to get in a fight, you're going to get punched in the face. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It is what it is. Yep. Absolutely. And so you. you sp- you you were in Queensland. You, you, you built business, the business, mm. the foundations of the building business in Queensland, and quite recently, what five years? About five years. Five ago. years mm. I know. It's, so five years ago, you moved into New South Wales. Mm. What was what was the reason for that, and why why did it take you so long to to, to, to make that decision? Um,
1: well, the the business really did take a long time to grow into 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 Brisbane, where we went. Well, okay, we've. Um, we've we're doing our job here, and we really know the business, and we've we've identified it, and we're doing. I think hopefully we're doing well for the for the brands and producers that we we represent, um, and we, you know, essentially we just saw an opportunity where some of the brands that we really love that were doing well in 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 Queensland weren't doing um, weren't doing as well as we thought they could in New South Wales. So it was really really about that, and then if we talk about you know strategy as well. We thought we'll. What we really need to do is to be able to, you know, have products produced for us, or select products from overseas that we import that meet our criteria, um, you know, in terms of quality and how they're produced and and where they're from, and we, just coming from Brisbane, um, Brisbane just wasn't quite a large enough market to do to have enough volumes in order
0: to do that ourselves. And so, you just worked that out. That was just like, you know, we can't. With what the capital we've got and the the amount we and, sell and the we, volumes that we got, volume, we, we,
1: we c- could we could build it up if we were to sell to other people. But we really couldn't like uh, start the project off co- like comfortably with the volume of sales that we had. Yeah. And moving to Sydney and having that established meant that we could then go right. Well, you know, we can off off our own bat have these products made to our specification or um, source these products from overseas and start start the importation process and then. Work with other partners um, around Australia.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm. And was it a was it a um, well? It is. It, it, it's not even a question. Obviously, it's it's a huge jump to do that to go to have two businesses, large businesses in two states. Mm. Was that nerve wracking? Was it?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, we. Um, you know, it was it was it was a, it was a, a lot of capital for me, uh, and um, it was it was a lot of time away from my my family as well. We've got got uh, four kids, and they were. <laughs> Um, they were, you know, all, um, my eldest now is 17, but she would have been like 12 uh, when yeah, I did it. Key the youngest times. Youngest would have been, you know, young. So it was a long time away from the family. and and. Um, did you have to go to El Nave? All the time, yeah. It was like literally one of the hardest things I have done. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the biggest things was we grew very, very rapidly to start with, like which was great, but it was also like shit, all those problems, all those problems that you'd have later on we're having right now and we've just got to make them work. So we we made them work. Um, And I also, like, we were talking about culture before. I naively assumed that because we had this culture in Brisbane with our team that when we opened in Sydney, like, well, it would just be the same because we're, you know, just opening up and getting it going. It absolutely wasn't. Like, we really needed to fight together, like, the culture and it's it's awesome now it's been awesome for a long time but at the beginning it was really really difficult
0: did you take anyone down
1: no we we basically did it remotely but I, I had I, I was able to employ some really really good uh, key people I'm super lucky um, yeah, okay. to go again, but um, Pepe Sayer um, who's, a, who's, who's a good mate recommended I said to Pepe hey we're gonna come and open up in Sydney who would you is there anyone down there that you'd recommend you know coming on board as like um, someone to help me get started um, and he recommended James White, who's now with the Olsen's team. James, like I'm sure many people listening to the podcast will, will know James, awesome guy. He had True two food. Providors. Did he have two? Uh, uh, he started two Providors and yeah. sold out, and two Providors now gone on to be like a um, you know much bigger and very successful business, doing some great work, um, also in Sydney. Um, uh, and James, at that stage, I. Uh, I think was doing some work independently, uh, and he's now gone on to work for Olsen's. Mm. But he's a true foodie. We just absolutely clicked in terms of like just talking about food and like restaurants and who would get these products and, and work with that. So he was he was awesome getting set up down there.
0: Yeah, awesome. Mm. So that, and then but it's very when when chefs go to places or open other restaurants, well, in my experience, the what normally happens is they build a kitchen, they build an infrastructure. And then they will normally take a couple of them chefs mm. from the restaurant to open their second site or their third site. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. so the culture, is, I think the culture goes with with them, and they yep. can kind of feed that through. Mm. But you you just went in, you know, and just built it and all new staff, all new everything. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a challenge. We didn't
1: have many staff to start with. At the yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But it was also just like grinding gears of like getting set up really quickly, and um, you know, and also a distribution business doesn't work below a certain amount of turnover you need that amount of turnover to make sure you've got uh you know fresh stock on the shelf when a, when someone needs it which is like our our promise to our customers as much as we can do so with you know super unique artisan foods from
0: all around the world yeah it's tough oh. when you, with the volume you need you, and mm. yeah and the five days delivery and we've mm. we, we've been slowly trying to get into this obviously we, we, we we're trying to get to that distribution business and we're, we're chipping away at it but it, it's very challenging for to meet the expectations and be there all the time mm. and logistics yeah. and it's, it's, it's a whole different style it's a whole different business right do you know what I mean
1: yeah like I, I I think like the business that we're in food delivering quality food is like it would have to excluding rockets you
0: know yeah
1: and surgery. It's an extremely difficult business. We're dealing with perishable goods uh, made by small artisanal factories with limited amounts of raw material that are seasonal uh, from right around the world, delivered on demand, like, <laughs> into <laughs> into into small businesses, backed up by huge amounts of knowledge and... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a mental business to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the fact that it's so enjoyable and I think really important, really important to our culture and our life. And, you know, if you're into food, you'll understand that. If you're not into food, you'll be into something else. But yeah. if you're into food, you'll know food's, yeah. food's important.
0: And know? it's important, like you say, when you say the culture. Like, I always think what we do, the terrain, and the pattern things, I like to think, and we, we hear this all the time, that like you know French people saying this is the closest thing I can get from out of France right we hear that regularly you know the pate this is mm-hmm. the you know this is the best pate outside of France and this that the other really
1: I just got back from France and I reckon it's the best best pate period I, yeah. like, I didn't taste the better one anywhere
0: yeah so, so I, I just feel like if we can raise the bar and and be known for like we can make products in Australia better than they can or as good as they can mm. in Spain or France or wh- wherever and I don't think people expect that from around the world, right? Like it's a huge, it's a real business around here these days. People are going hard at quality. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's you know it's uh, local, and you know f- right the way from the farmer, the pigs that are getting bred, the, the the feed that they get in, to the artisan producers making the hams and the salamis, and the, mm. it's as good as anywhere in the world.
1: It's it's very very exciting, and and I think it says something to like our culture particularly. Uh, like, essentially, during my lifetime, uh, I've seen like the the coffee has has gone from like it may not have been the worst in the world, but it must have been pretty damn close to it to, Like, like absolutely the best or amongst the best in the world. Yeah, people can't believe when you, you, can't you go can't to the Italy coffee. and you go, I can't wait to come home. And, and even I can't wait to go back to my office and make one of on my little machine because it's vastly better than the stuff that I get normally here and that's been a total step change and it's not just been like in fancy suburbs hips, hips the suburbs it's just about everywhere just about across our entire society which is really cool bread has just oh. transformed you know I've seen it well, it's continuing to transform, um, like, in front of our eyes. Yeah, Baker Blur, Just incredible. It? incredible. It's and so many bakeries yeah. now, it's unreal. And that's, again, something that's, like, that's a democratic product. You can buy a loaf of bread and it's, you can have an amazing food experience. In fact, I often think, like, when I get an amazing, like, baguette or something that's been baked brilliantly and I eat it with some butter on it and think, like, it... like. I saw some amazing products, but very few of them are better than a yeah. perfectly baked chewy.
0: Yeah. You know, like it's all incredible. the fermented. Yeah. But so
1: that's our part of our culture. has been and like.
0: Croissants. Yep. Oh, the croissants no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah. I know everyone mocks me here for saying croissants. They're like, you're not French. It's just the way that we say it. I don't know. How you guys, however you say it, whatever, croissant. You know, the, now, you know, you've got loon, for instance. Yeah. All, you know, croissants now are like. Voted best question in, in, in the world from mm. the New York Times and things. And the state? standard
1: has been reset. And we've done that with many things. The standard has been
0: reset. That's Absolutely. nice. And And
1: th- that's continuing to happen, which is which is super, super exciting and, and really important. I think um, there are many things that we can do here and we should. There are still some benchmark products, which it's important to, uh, to go to overseas, and that for either cultural reasons and or environmental uh, reasons as well can only come from that place um and i also think if you like to use a wine analogy if you love australian wine you think australia's producing some of the best the greatest wines in the world which absolutely they are it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be interested in wines from elsewhere in fact the more you get interested in australian wines the more you get interested in you know what's happening in france or spain or italy and learning more about those things as well definitely so i think
0: um when you say environmentally do you mean like sustainable sea fishing and are you talking <clears> like <throat> anchovies and things? Like, is that what you mean?
1: Well, again, we're a taste-forward company, so we, we want we want that's our central criteria, our central criteria. But we, um, by and large, learn that if we are going taste-forward, um, that we're getting products that are that are produced traditionally, and those products that are produced traditionally come from um, traditional agricultural practice traditional fishing fishing practice and and uh, they have very tight specifications about what they can work with uh, and though they they tend to be produced by smaller fished by smaller boats at particular parts of the season or uh, produced on on smaller farms um, and so, so that's part of what I mean but also the environment um, to give you an example if we talk about hamon um, Aberica de the environmental part of that is the fact that these trees only really exist in this one part of the world in the numbers that are needed, and the pigs existed there as well. So it was the coming together of those, uh, the, the, the pigs and those acorn forests that produced that product. Now, you couldn't produce that in Australia. It can yeah. only be produced there. Yeah, mm. so,
0: so you've got no other option. Mm. So you try and bring the best of that into, into Australia, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, as I said, tasteful. We have we really concentrate on that. Um, and I think if uh, you know you've heard that that term like a happy animal is a is a tasty animal. Mm. Uh, it, that is absolutely true. In fact, a stressed uh, a stressed animal, a stressed pig won't. You have a, you may well not be able to cure that leg of prosciutto. Uh, Adrenaline, right? That that I. Th- Look, I think so. I think it's related to the pH of the yeah, of, of the meat. I think it's but when so it's the
0: adrenaline, the adrenaline, mm-hmm. when it gets stressed and it gets slaughtered, then the adrenaline is still in the system and it damages the thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty I'm, again, dog. I'm not an expert on that either, but over the years, I've have heard I think that's kind of what I've heard. Like,
1: I think that's absolutely the case. And the um, again, to talk about the biota, um, those pigs, you can just see how well, how happy they are, how natural they are. Um, I mean, we've got to recognise, of course, that we are slaughtering an animal, yeah. and uh, and I think the you know part of the the responsibility of that comes to like uh, making sure that we're not that we're doing the best we can with that with that resource, uh, and. Uh, and not wasting it and it, those traditional food cultures don't do that at all
0: like yeah that. yeah yeah they have the utmost respect for every, yeah. i think every part of it isn't it do you do you look for gaps in the market is it something that you guys are, are looking for you feel like oh this would look really good or we feel like this is an area where it's it's popular but there's no best of class mm. and do you do you look for these kind of areas we, we do
1: um so we've got you know, out of our team, we've got a lot of people. Every, everyone's a, like everyone is into food in our business, uh, so we have these conversations all the time in our personal lives. What we've seen outside—that's important. That's So important, mm. isn't it?
0: It's so important. Yeah. So, I, like everyone's got to be into it. Absolutely. It's not so like I think selling like cars. If you if
1: you, were, if, you were, if you had a surf shop selling surfboards, you wouldn't need everyone to be a pro surfer to work there or to sell boards, but they'd have to kind of like surfing. You yeah. know, like. Otherwise, well, you know, what would, be the, yeah, what would yeah. be the point? So it's the same thing. You know, like, you've got to like, like food or at least be open to the, the message of good food. And then, like, everyone that comes and starts working with us is eventually eating, like, even eating everything and, uh, and enjoying it. Um,
0: so the gaps, you're looking, so so you're we're, looking you know, we
1: Internally, we're having conversations all the time. We're reading, we're engaged with the, with the um, you know, um, the food media. We're also talking to our customers all the time um you they'll know, give I'll, you feedback and say oh absolutely well, can you we'll find this things. can you, you know, find yeah sort yeah. of keep a, a register of it and you know whenever anyone asks for something we want to like often it's like you know sometimes it might be something that we haven't heard of like what is that product and we'll yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do some research and it's like oh, okay that sounds interesting or that's you know that's a like a gimmicky like modernized like version of something that's probably not for us yeah um uh, uh but, you know, also through travel is is really is reading, you know. Yeah. So um, you,
0: you go abroad and you if you see something, you'll be like, oh, that I think that could potentially work in, mm. in Australia and look into that and see if there's a local one or yeah. if you can only get it there, then look to import it, them kind of things, are you saying? This is what I do yeah. all day,
1: every day. I <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Looking for products. Looking
1: for food, looking for products, looking for
0: learning things about them, you know. Do you think some areas in the world are... are more not accessible more uh, people are more engage would engage with it more like you know do you, do you bring much in from argentina for instance so
1: it's really really interesting question that and our culture in food is very much it's it's at the specialty end is extremely eurocentric yeah extremely eurocentric um the basis of it, I guess, for historical reasons, was uh, was French. Um, uh, later, um, you know, I'm talking like 1960s onwards. Probably lots of Italian influence um, coming into Australia, and which is, you know, ab- absolutely still there. And we're still learning. We've still got a long way to go with with Italian food in Australian regional Italian food, but um, uh, and uh, and then Spanish food. Um, uh, we import a lot of products from those from those places, but it, it d- did strike me that there were no very few specialty products coming from from Asia, uh, for example. So we started a project to import some artisan Japanese uh, products, um, and there's a there's a very good company importing some I think called Table One Eight One importing some really good Korean products as well, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really good to see that you know sort of specialty food or, um project. Uh, applied to some other cultures, but we've got a long way to go. For example, we don't we don't have any. I know we've got a huge um, blind spot in our portfolio for, uh, and it, we can't do everything, of course. But I'd love to learn more about um, like Middle Eastern Lebanese food in particular, and all of the amazing spices that come from there, and um, you know, dried fruits and nuts and. Um,
0: Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan well, for all that
1: a, stuff. As a, well. Absolutely, so much, and Iran, and um, yeah, and then there's. I'm sure there's an enormous amount in um, uh, uh, in South America, um, uh, Mexico, Mexico, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Like, so the amazing thing about food, and the great thing about it, is that y- there is if y- there is no end to how much you you can learn about it, and how much you can enjoy it, and uh, the journey will never end. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's,
0: it's pretty cool it is and I what I love about just quickly on that is like how different cultures use the same product mm. or have a, a style of that no like it by it be rice noodles mashed potato corn do you know what I mean yeah. the ball it's like that's the staple do yeah. you know what I mean and or how different cultures use the same product chili you know some people might ferment it whatever mm. some people might dry it and i find that super interesting and then you can look at that as a fact of like um going back to like uh people taking over countries mm. and people traveling and you know conquering countries and taking their spices and you think you know chili and in india and different things like that do you mm. know what i mean it,
1: it, or hp sauce you know yeah yeah there you so, go yeah you know, exactly classic colonialism in a bottle
0: yeah exactly yeah exactly which yeah 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 Yeah. or a lot of that japanese uh, sorry japanese my mistake that um vietnamese the breads mm. and the pâté, that's a mm. classic example of the banh me. The, 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 yeah. the French baguette, if you like, with the pâté. So makes... it might have been a lot of
1: negatives to the French colonisation of uh, of uh, Vietnam, but yeah. the banh mi wasn't one of them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's <laughs> super interesting. How many new products or how many new lines would you bring on a year, would you think? You know what? I probably should
1: know that, but I have no clue. Yeah. Uh, um, I feel like we're we're doing new things, all, so I think probably like once a month we'd have something new to, to talk about, like internally, and um, you know we'd be bringing something on new. Yeah.
0: And how do you then, you know, you've, if you're bringing that on, you've got x amount of customers, thousands of mm. customers, I have no doubt. How do you then you bring on a product? What's the process of getting that out, like to to mm. all to all your people? Yeah. And then do you have ca- say shut up if you you can tell me i'm being not too nauseous but uh, yeah. uh, do you like do you have like categorizations of like butchers bakers candles makers you yeah. know whatever yeah. and then do you say like this product is set for fine dining restaurants this restaurant f- absolutely so i think it's like know the product first so yeah. un-
1: like understand the attributes for the product like um, you know how could you use it and there's often like lots of different ways to use it. so that's the research part but it's also sitting around a table and like talking about it with like our knowledgeable team going to some trusted advisors in the industry so they're like customers that we've got a good relationship with that, that you know we can go hey what do, you, what do you think about this? I reckon it might be something that you could use I'm thinking about in this way and they'll often like go actually you could do this whether or use, that, use it in that way uh, And then it's about thinking well who do, who do we know? Uh, that could sort of use that, and then what a what a how could we categorise that? So, a fine dining restaurant would be be an obvious one, but like quality focused pub, that'd be another one. And we'd have products that okay, this will work for uh, quality focused pubs and and um, and bistros, you know. Yeah. And then we go, who are our quality focused pubs? You know, so within our team who've got managed different areas, we we'll go, who are our quality focused pubs? Um, and who who are the who are our like our the ones that we've got the best relationship? Well, they're the ones we're going to go easy and talk wins. to first. Yeah, easy so, so like, easy wins, yeah. and then you call them up, shoot them an email, and say, and then it's back to that. Hopefully, when we've turned up in the past and we've said, I think I've got something. I reckon you might you enjoy. They think, well, he knows my business, and uh, and they know their product, so I should actually have a quick look at that.
0: Yeah, um, that what you talk about there though, which we're finding, we're learning. Fuck, it, it's tough. It's a that you know, mm-hmm. like, because you're the 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 emphasis you can't emphasize enough how important timing is with mm-hmm. this, right? If they've just put a menu on that mm-hmm. they've got it all printed and all the rest of it, they might they might be oh yeah, come back in eight weeks or tw- when the mm-hmm. seasons change or whatever it might be. And then you've got to remember to go back and before the menu changes. Do you do you mm-hmm. find a lot of this as well? Oh look. Like, yeah, absolutely. Our, our central, like, well, I don't want to say,
1: central. It's not a central problem. It's just another problem of our business. A, 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 a question to be solved is how do we communicate all of this super technical detail uh, to on mass to 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 a lot of people and um, uh, like so. Our jobs, communication, it really is because a lot of our products people like haven't seen before. They may not know about. They might be a totally new quality. Uh, level that they've not considered before or like to take show you for for instance as an example like i've never thought of show you as anything other than um you know the the mass produced one that everyone knows yeah and and when you go so how do we do that on mass and it's like yeah communications yeah
0: the problem it's really yeah and more products you get and you only have a limited time with these Mm. chefs and the or whoever it might be Mm. and it's like What do I show the... Do you know what I mean? So we'd
1: hope that people, if they thought, well, what is it that Fino does? Fino does specialty food. What is that? And from repeated interactions from the past that they identify, okay, well, Fino's my trusted partner in specialty food. So I'm thinking about a dish. It needs a specialty food element. Where would I get that from? Who would I talk to? I'll talk to Fino. Same as your car guy, you know. I've got a problem with my car. Who do I call about cars? My car guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what we hope yeah. we're, we're going to that, That's very yeah. Lo- yeah, it's logical. So what you're saying is you're not trying to get in front of them. You're you're also thinking when they're thinking they need something, they're calling you.
1: Yeah, and they've got to know what it is that we do and they've got to, that we've got, they've got to trust us. And that trust comes from uh, knowing what we're talking about. Um, and I guess having their best interest in uh, knowing our business with them is going to be done when we can deliver something for their business, and hopefully having repeatedly done that over time.
0: Yeah. Ideally, well, that's that's. But it's that's, not it's not yeah, easy. It's the goal. bloody difficult. Yeah. difficult. That's for sure. I find food service a lot more difficult than retail. Personally, mm. I don't know if what, what your thoughts are on it, but the food service stuff is. Yeah, it's very tricky to, to pin the chefs down. And, and So if you are a chef out there, have a bit of consideration for you know, because, man, it's hard sometimes. It's really difficult to pin them well, down. And it, it is
1: like it's a job where they're working. They've got s- some really strict time constraints. Definitely. Uh, they often don't have, like, uh, an, an organised office in which to have
0: lots of bits of paper and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and most me included, I was a chef for many years, the, the they're not we're not we are not most of you know they're not talking for everyone but there's an element that, that paperwork and all that it's mm. not really what what we're me included is mm. not really what we're into right we just want to coke or be with a team and create mm. memories and all the rest of it right Do yeah. you know what i mean and we're we're finding as well like we might have a great olive oil or a great olives and then how we this is something that we've the challenge that we're getting is like They've already got an olive oil supplier and and an olive supplier. For instance, Mm. how are you going to get them to take yours? Do you know what I mean? Or if you're not going in with another product, they've got relationships or if you're not going out with something specialty, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like trying to get that business, it's it's difficult to get that business because someone else has already locked that business in. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Yeah. No, look,
1: uh, uh, absolutely. So I guess it's, well, it's again, thinking about what's the... helling thing for this for this business and, you know, like, where where could I, uh, like, really help so I'd, I'd hope my sales staff when they're doing that are really thinking from our customers' point of view and thinking, not only is this a, like, I reckon this is a great, delicious product uh, but, like, how would they use it on their menu or how would they use it in retail and, you know, and then helping um, distill that down at its best, it's like you know me you know how to select this have a taste of this, holy shit, that's amazing! Here's three quick ways to use it. Um, if you want to know why it's so amazing, ask me,
0: and, yeah, we'll, yeah. and I'll tell you. And I'll tell you all yeah. about it because sure. there is a reason why
1: it's so amazing. Yeah, it didn't just happen, you know. Like, um, it's not you know, luck. It's not luck. Um, yeah. And I think with food, like we're sort of like sometimes I feel like the poor cousins to wine because everyone understands with wine. Oh, the grapes, where they are grown, how they're harvested. You know, the carrot, which it was fermented, all, of course, makes a difference, you know. But sometimes when you're talking about food, it's like, yeah, like these tomatoes, like it really mattered where they were grown and how they were harvested and, you know, how they were jarred. That's why they taste this way. Yeah.
0: And you you briefly mentioned about importing far out. Mm. Talk about making the business even more difficult. Holy moly. Like (laughs) the logistics and the... Insurances and the tax and the forecasting and,
1: and the COVID and, and the, <laughs> yeah and
0: COVID and shipping fees yep. and all these kind of things. Talk us through like a, a life of someone that's importing fine foods from around the world. Mm.
1: Well, I think um, the initial the so, so selecting it is, is is essentially exactly the same as selecting here, uh, ex- except. Initially, you don't have the um, well. You've got to develop the network of people within the food community in the place you're importing from to fact check or reference. Because, like, if someone's coming from Australia and I said, oh, like, who's you know who's a good cheese producer or who's good, you'd be able to mention, you'd be able to rattle someone off. Or, Where should I go and eat? And you know, food people have someone have someone in mind, and it's exactly the same in that food culture. So you need to find someone you trust and get recommendations from them because they'll know, you know.
0: Uh, so you're saying you, you're – and how are you doing that? That's a, rec- a recommendation from someone from here, like well, look, a Spanish food, person? food or?
1: at a certain level is a, is a, it's a small world. I, yeah. Like it really it really is. Yeah. Um, uh, you can you can see that in Australia, but also around the world there's touch points and we travel a lot and we talk a lot and, you know, like um, – so, you know, I guess I've developed a network of, like, friends – you know, around the world, people that are, that are in food um, and that, you know, know people at a certain level, know producers at a certain level, restaurants and chefs at a certain level, uh, you know, around the world that are, you know, again, they're not necessarily like fancy things or, but they're good things, right? They're, yeah. pe- they're people that are really, really into what they do, Um
0: so you've got someone, for instance, out in Spain, just checking, making sure that you know. Uh, uh,
1: well, I've worked with um, uh, uh, Kino, and, and Ken, Kino's now in, uh, he, a lot of Melbourne listeners might know Kino, he started uh, coming to El Camado, and we were actually good customers of uh, Kino with his uh, in, initial Spanish imports, uh, and we became great mates, and Kino now is, he closed down El Camado and moved to Tokyo. But Kino works very closely with me, with, with helping me with the Japanese, with the um, Spanish imports. Uh, and um, he, ought, he not only speaks the language really well, but he knows the history. So when you're eating a really a traditional traditional food, it will have something about the, uh, the environment of the place. Like there'll be something about, okay, this is why it is because of that mountain range and this soil type and this rainfall. It's really important to know that. And uh, it'll, it'll be like that because the Romans invaded and they brought this, you know, like that sort of stuff. So Kino's a great student of history and, and Spanish culture and he's, uh, and he's also got an awesome palate and cares about food. So he's a great person to travel with uh, um, throughout Spain for that. But we've also, as we've found good suppliers, we've also talked to them about who... And, you know, it, again, Spain at a certain level in food, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small world. and It was the same with Japan and, and Italy and, you know... And so on uh, and so
0: forth. And then how do you... Do you need an, do you need a, a licence, an export licence or an import? Li- is it import? Like, which one is it? Uh, so in, we're, we're so importing. You
1: import yeah, yeah, so you so need import licence. Yeah, so there's an enormous amount of documentation that comes through. So firstly, there's all, all of our checks. So we'd, we would visit the, the producers, we'd know them, we'd talk to them, we'd, we'd see the factory, taste it a lot. Um, uh, and then uh, when we decide to work with them, we would do a small test importation first because you can see the product there, uh, but how it travels, how it arrives to you after it travels, uh, it could be completely different. Yeah, And also, a producer might say, yeah, absolutely, no, I can comply with all the documentation and I can label it properly and... Sometimes they can't, and you'll yeah, okay. see that on the first on the first importation. So, is that a pallet?
0: You, I mean, sorry, is that a container you've got
1: to do? Yeah. So we we um, have a company that uh, consolidates containers for us. Right. So, um, so you don't need to get a full container. We not not of a single product. No, yeah. o- obviously, like commodity product, we don't do the commodity products. But if you're if you're importing like tins of tomatoes, yeah, they would be all full containers, like stacked to the ceiling. Yeah. Our products are we would buy them basically the same as we would buy from domestic supplies, yeah. Australian supplies. So we would buy, I don't know, two or three pallets of this, two or three pallets of that, and then they'd be sent to a single place and they'd be they'd be put on and we get like a um, like, a container every every uh three to four weeks from spain and every four weeks from from italy
0: and um, so, so and you've got a central con- consolidation that's right space yeah. in italy which is, mm-hmm. what is that just one of the factories who has got a big factory or no
1: whatever? it's uh it's it's uh, a, a shipping company that specializes oh, in that, it does that so right. they'll they'll load the containers for us can uh, bring the documentation together um, uh, together with us book the book the shipping um, uh, Handle the coordination with the Australian uh, Customs and Quarantine. Mm. Uh, then there'll be a whole series of like testing and paper. It's it's a an, an, this end yeah. there's an enormous amount of administration. And the system really is set up uh, to well, essentially to make sure that we're bringing in products that food comes into Australia that's safe and palatable. Uh, that there's no um, you know pest species being brought into Australia as well. So it's a it's a good system from from that point of view. It is it is set up. I guess sensibly uh, for the way that most food products are imported to Australia which would be full containers full multiple containers of food like industrialized food coming in so when we bring in a 40-foot container and it's got you know a few hundred kilos of this cheese and a few hundred kilos of that cheese and a whole bunch of other stuff like the paperwork is enormous uh, every time every time yeah and then there's what a big kind testing of time,
0: What kind of time? <coughs> so
1: moved? COVID has made that a lot worse. Europe's getting getting better and better and better. Japan was just blown out of the water with with, with time. So when it's working well, uh, you know, place an order. It'll take, you know, essentially, you know, we'd, we'd give our supplies there uh, usually a month. Uh, it'd be ideally a month on the water. And then, and then it'd be cleared and released to us. So... Two two months I like would be the the, the fastest ideal time yeah. uh, with it and it's getting much much better now but uh, during the sort of the last couple of years it has been an indeterminate amount of time from uh, sort of three months to four months to five months uh, and then uh, yeah so you know, co-
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be troubled by that yeah. one, <laughs>
1: exactly. So just very, very difficult. And then on the other side, uh, uh, you don't know what demand's going to be. So yeah. when you're ordering that far
0: ahead, that's what I was going to ask. We yeah, have how do you do your Any customers yeah.
1: or lots of customers? Like we might go, we might be, and you know, God, any of your restaurant listeners will had it way worse than us. Like actually prepping food and then going, ah, well, you know, yeah, we don't have it in the bin, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but um, that that has that's been difficult but and what about shelf
0: life and things obviously if you bring mm-hmm. in stuff this? well so it's...
1: shelf life is is a major thing to, to manage um, we we really try and restrict the amount of air freight we do yeah for a few reasons one is that in australia we're right at the end of our of our uh, of that air freight chain in fact it has to be it has to change planes when it gets here so r- difficult from a temperature control and quality control point of view, but it's also horrendous from an environmental point of view as well. Yeah. Uh, so we bring products, the vast majority of products are brought by refrigerated sea C, C containers, so shelf life is important, um, yeah. and doing as many containers as we can, so having turnover over those products, which means building a customer base for them. You, you know,
0: know you say about that paper, how, like, do you have one staff member, or who does, like, how do you go through all that paperwork? Well, and how long does that take to do that?
1: Well, to, to be honest, we relied on some uh, on an external people um, up until about, say, 12 months ago, and we realised we just didn't have uh, total control. As we were doing more, you know, increasing our import program, we just didn't have complete control of that. So we brought that all back into house now. So we have like a team of three people who manage most aspects of that and there's one main person who's like responsible for the documentation we still have outside you know um uh, agents who work for the technical aspects and and the interactions with government um it's a big part then right? mate. Mm. there's
0: a lot of moving parts in that
1: a lot of moving parts it is something though that when you do it more uh you, you know like like anything it actually it becomes easier and more repeatable and you've worked out the things that are uh you know the the products that are getting pulled for testing all the time, mm. and you know what? We'll put those on, on a you know on a on a on a separate container altogether, uh, uh, rather than oh, then hold everything up. It's absolutely, like got yeah, it. Yeah. So what
0: you're saying is, if you've got a few things that always get pulled, put them together because all of them will get pulled together, and all the other stuff will just come from. Mm. It's like the it's like when you're bringing over cocaine and you do the mule. Do you know it's what exactly I mean? <laughs> like that, right? yeah, the mule gets caught, and then all this. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> Yeah, far out. And they they um they they can just test whatever, and you cop the bill, right? Is, is that is that how it works? That's right.
1: And look, that's as it should be. Like the, that that system is there to keep keep us safe. I I do sometimes think like, what is the point of testing these? Because like, if you went there, like Europe has you know a very similar food food safety system to to Australia does. Um, so I do think like it's probably a bit of a misallocation of resources to some extent, but. You know what? I, I, it, I don't, I don't begrudge that at all. If it can de- be better, if it could be done always in a timely manner. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but again, they've had the same, you know, staffing yeah. issues that that we had. We also would be a, a difficult client as well because we've got, again, we've got a container filled with the, all of Multiple these specialities. De- yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're often dealing with like small companies. Like for our Japanese project, we dealt with companies that have never, in their three hundred year history, sold anything outside Japan ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So challenging. Challenging.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. But if we didn't do it, we wouldn't have those products, and you know, yeah. worth doing.
0: What about insurance and things? Do you need any? Can, can you get? Can you get insurance? So you can get
1: marine insurance. Um, so that's in
0: case the boat was down or something, is it? Or,
1: um, or as we might remember from a few years ago, there was that boat that got caught off Sydney in that massive storm, and yeah. they had that container collapse, and uh, the containers fell off into the yeah. into the ocean. Yeah. And we were looking at that, I was looking at that in the news and thinking like, you know, geez, that'd be funny if, you know, my container was on that ship. And I rang up the office and said, hey, what's the name of the, uh, the ship that that container's on? Sure enough.
0: It was on there. <laughs> and it was still on it, which is, oh, it was all fine. Yeah, yeah. Far out. But so, yeah, stuff like that. So do you happen. get, do you do it or do you roll the days? We do, yeah. We Can do. you roll the days? oh absolutely yeah. or you can it's not like a car insurance that you need to have it or anything, you can just no you, you know, can just roll you, the dice you, you can self-insure uh
1: um but we have insurance yeah. yeah
0: and have you ever thought about um well we touched we spoke about this a fair few years ago and i'm, all, I'm always interested in have you ever thought about getting into the retail or food service world
1: well, we had a chat uh you know um
0: look y- y-
1: I, look I don't i, I had I don't know enough about restaurants to open a, uh, open a restaurant uh, by any means so I know what I don't know there and I have an amazing respect for uh, those clients of ours that do such a good job at restaurants um, so I, I don't want to open a restaurant um, I do want to make our more specialized products available to customers directly and um, you know because uh, we sell a lot of them to restaurants so if you were interested if you're a um, member of the public and you're interested in food, you're eating many of our products regularly in you know good dishes. Um, but if you said where can I buy that product for or this product, well we could give you, we could say, well you could get that show you from like that awesome retailer over there but then the induya you would have to go and drive over there for. So I do think at some stage I would like to have like a destination shop where you know, really dedicated home cooks could come and engage with these products and we could give the same sort of, like, information that we give to chefs. Yeah, yeah. Mixed tools um, right? yeah. and, tastings yeah. and
0: educational pieces and master classes Because mm. I know
1: people are really engaged with it. I think it'd they? be great. You know, um, people travel for food. Like, and when, and when friends and family, you know, um, you know, go to Europe or go to Japan, they go, like, where should I go and eat? Where should I go and see?
0: Can I go and visit one of those producers? And It would be fun to be able to share that more widely. Yeah, I, it seems like it seems logical, doesn't it? But again, it's another resource. Is it going to drag away from what you're already doing and importing? Yeah, there's and no lack of things yeah. to do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no lack of good ideas. You know? yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And what do you think? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You can say, I can't say it because I support so many good brands. But what do you think for people out there that are in Australia that, or coming to visit, or what brands do you think are a must try? What do you think are the. You know what? Really banging the drum for Australia and like these are the leading brands you should. From
1: call. from Australia.
0: Yeah, from Australia.
1: Oh well, see you later. Oh yeah. come on! <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, give you that fifty later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. uh, look, the I, I think, uh, vanilla cheese, uh, yeah. and I'm I'm gonna miss some about some of our great producers here, but I, like I'd say vanilla cheese, like it's really pretty special what they're doing. It's world class. Well, absolutely world, world class. class. Yeah, and it's 100%. world class coming from like like. This is an t- Italian culture done, a very traditional Italian product done here to to a, like an incredible standard. Um, yeah. uh, so I think that's, I've just come back today from visiting Barry Charlton at Barry's Creek. Oh yeah. He is, um, uh, Barry and um, uh, Cheryl and his staff are world class cheesemakers, like world class. Like that, uh, Barry's blue cheeses are amongst the very best in the world. Um, you know, if uh, I, and I, I just think, like, you know, when you're travelling and you come across something and you think, oh, wow, this is amazing. Well, I try and take that same mindset of, like, you know, sometimes you're in Australia on a beach and you're you just going, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and try and go, like, what if I was in, you know, overseas and I saw this beach and, like, how would I, how would I feel about it or this yeah. view or whatever? Well, I try and think about that with some of our producers as well. Like, and mm-hmm. if I went to Barry's factory and it was, like, in the hills of, um, of Italy, and I, I'd be coming back going, Oh, this I just had this extraordinary experience. Well, I've, I've had this, it's just two outside, two hours two outside Melbourne, it's
0: incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I think we, we consolidate for them and Beck knows mm. them a little bit as well. Yeah. yeah, I'd say good. like
1: Mount Zero olives, I mentioned them before. Mm. Uh, you know, again, uh, Australian olives and naturally fermented Australian olives, of which Mount Zero has been at the forefront of. Uh, and it's ex- like uh, we're world class in in olives in Australia.
0: Yeah. Do you want to just quickly, uh, for people who aren't aware of the olive situation and the caustic and, mm. and naturally fermented and all mm. the rest of it, just give us a quick rundown of <coughs> how it so works? The,
1: I guess the most traditional way of, 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 of making olives is you, you wait. To the the olives, and forgive me for all the technical um, olive producers out there. I'm probably going to butcher this, but I'm going to simplify it in Provador's language. You wait for the fruit to be ripe, and olives are a fruit. Uh, you harvest them, you put them into a, um, a brine solution, and then you allow and you put a put a lid on, and you will let them go through a fermentation process. They actually ferment. And then on top of that, they're leaching out that that bitter um, uh, the bitter flavour is is being le- uh, leached out into the brine solution. Um, and they they cure so you uh, and that's the natural fermentation way and that's the way that's predominantly done in Australia if you buy an Australian olive it's almost certainly going to be done that way that's my favourite way
0: and they lack a little bit of colour and the...
1: they lack yeah. colour because they've been in the brine solution exactly. they won't be the bright green olive of which green Sicilians are probably the, the most famous example so that bright, if you eat a I I know a lot of people love them. I can't stand them. I I, I hate Grand Sicilian olives. Uh, If you eat one of those olives, you'll notice it's very soft. Uh, uh, To my taste, it doesn't have much. To my, it doesn't have a lot of taste, and the flesh will cling to the seed. So it's quite an unripe uh, olive, and it's been essentially cured in a lye solution or a caustic solution. There's nothing like food safety. Ways about that, and it's been done for a long time. But what it does is it removes a lot of the uh, olive flavour, and it doesn't have to go through a fermentation and with all the flavour benefits that it brings. Um, and as a result of that, you can also pick them quite unripe, which you would because if you leave them out, and there's a hailstorm, that's your crop gone. So quicker you can get them in the better right and you can do that process very very quickly and that's why it's done on an industrial scale so many of the olives of the industrialized olives of spain particularly are produced that way Um, and it does give you a bright green olive uh but it doesn't give you flavor and then the other the other method that's much rarer is um salt curing olives um and that, you basically, you, you harvest the olives, they must be ripe again, you salt them and you basically leave them out in the sun to dry and they'll shrivel up and they develop a really beautiful sort of caramelised flavour. Like, that's not an everyday olive, but they're, they're delicious. Um, in certain ways. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah. it's in, And that's, I guess that's for everything, right? That's That kind of, there's one way. And then there's another way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This way is going to take longer. This way is a more natural way, or this way is a more traditional way. Duh, 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 or it can be speed up and be a bit more manufactured uh, to speed the process up, and they're probably a bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. It depends where you want to be. In yeah, what, what, yeah. How like, you want to sharpen, what you want to use mm. is. It depends what what, what street yeah. you go
1: down. And the, the cool thing about something like olives, right? That and what we said about like elevating everyday is like. You can afford to buy the greatest olives in the world.
0: Yeah. Like, I remember when you, you said that to it, me right. about things, it's, it's a great deal. Yeah. it's a great way you of looking at it. Yeah, mm. yeah. You can have the, I remember you saying to me one time, like it's like if you want the best car in the world, it's gonna cost you half a million bucks or whatever, right?
1: Mm. Or something I don't know, I'm not a car guy, you Yeah, know.
0: it's gonna cost you a lot of money, yeah. a million dollars, yeah. whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. But if you want the best olive, it's gonna cost you forty bucks or do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, whatever, it's very, very achievable. Very, yeah. yeah, it's very yeah. achievable. So you can have the best. In the world, anchovies, or you can have them anchovies that are $3 mm. that are pasty and not great, or you can have the really good, beautiful fillets for you know, for an extra five bucks, you can have the best mm. in the world. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's
1: so you can't like, uh, you know, obviously, we're talking, we we're talking before about inflation and like that cost of living pressures and everything like that. And, and it's it's it, it would be wrong of us to say, well, everyone should be doing this. So, I, I guess our message is like, if you're in food. Um, and you're you've, you're willing to put some resources into enjoying food. Um, you don't necessarily need to look at like truffles are awesome, but if you just look at like maybe sourcing a great local honey.
0: Yeah, butter, like, great butter.
1: That's cool, you know. Yeah, and you'll, it'll it'll give you a food moment. We were talking about food moments, and I that's something we talk about in our business. If we're trying to define those. What what, what do we mean? We we're talking about it for ages, and we thought, well, that food moment is when you taste something and you kind of like forget where you are for a, mo- for a moment and you're actually like just completely uh completely concentrating like mind and body on the flavor and it's actually like and kind of like an intellectual experience as well when you're dissecting that flavor with you know uh and thinking about it and you you, you forget where you are a little bit so um that's really what we're looking for.
0: Nice. Well, that's a perfect way it went, to be mm. honest. I think that's a great right. way to finish.
1: Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for the chat, man.
0: No, no problem at all. But if people are in New South Wales, Queensland, and want to buy from you and your products and work in restaurants mm-hmm. and aren't using you at the moment, how can people find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you and uh, you know, all the rest, well, socials and all
1: at Fino Foods uh, on our Instagram feed, or or jump online. But look, we're a real super friendly, super open company. We um, we love talking about food. So if you wanted to like have a chat about food, taste some food, that'll that'll be a win for us. And uh, you know, I I, us, I, I agree.
0: The, the the knowledge that you guys have got and the effort that you go into collecting the knowledge and knowing the stories and the backstories and where it come from and the history and the and searching for these products and all this bit you know if you're a chef out there and you, you do want them specialty items on your menu y- you'd be crazy not to give you a call and just get the guys out and just say look can i'm looking to get these products can you help me or and let people help you with your menu as well i think that's another good option right like it takes a lot of work to go and find all these products you could call a rep up and say i'm thinking about doing these kind of dishes have you got anything on your portfolio that you can help me in this area? And there might be a, a there's a good chance that they'll have yeah, something
1: to help you out. Probably, we'd love to. And if and if, and if, if we can't help you, we'll probably probably know the people that that can.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, beautiful. Thanks very much for your time, Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Robbie. Cheers, Yeah. Right. Good on you. Thanks. That's all, folks.